All right, well, grab your Bibles and open them up to Luke chapter 2. Merry Christmas. Well, once every seven years or so, Christmas lands on a Sunday. Um, And this always turns into a big debate in churches about whether or not we should have a service on Christmas morning. Um, I personally grew up in a church that had a service every Christmas morning, whether it was on a Sunday or not. Um, And so that was just sort of the tradition of our family and the rhythm of the churches that we attended. But I think it's a perfect way to center the day uh, to make sure that we are actually remembering Jesus in the midst of everything else. Because there's a lot of everything else. Now one of the things that we're faced with in this debate about having a service or not is the question of meaning. That is, what is most important? Right? What is expendable and what isn't? What takes precedence and what sort of needs to be worked around? In many ways, the question is much bigger than whether or not we should have a service. It's really a, a question about where we go to for joy. Right? Who provides our life with meaning? Are we going to settle for an earthly temporal joy, or are we going to take hold of the joy that is only possible when we organize our lives around the creator of the universe? And by the way, I'm not saying that people who decided not to have a service today don't look to God for meaning. But what we're going to look at today in our fourth week of Advent is this idea of joy. Right? We've looked at hope, we've looked at love, we looked at peace. Today we're going to talk about the joy of Christmas. Now joy is a difficult concept to pin down um, because in, in many ways it is certainly relates to happiness and well-being. Yet if our definition of joy stays only there, then joy becomes about managing our situation. Joy becomes about entertainment and comfort and delight. And the reason why we know it can't be that simple is because the Bible constantly points to people whose lives are difficult and says they have joy. Even in the Christmas story. right? The Christmas story is filled with people who we wouldn't look at their lives and go, wow, everything is really going well for them here. And yet they have joy. And so if we simplify joy, if we focus our lives only on outcomes, then Christmas will become about parties and cookies and presents and families and concerts and traditions. And we will fill our lives with these things not only because they're fun, but because we believe that this momentary happiness will provide us with joy. Now, I personally have been thinking about this a lot over the last month because To be perfectly honest, this year has not provided me with the sort of holiday happiness that I have become accustomed to, right? I wrote a blog about this a couple of weeks ago, and then three days later flipped a truck over on black ice. But one of the things that this has done for me is sort of pushed me past all the surface level delight, right? When some of that stuff isn't there or or at least isn't working, it forces you to look deeper. And for me personally, this has forced me to see the joy that is gifted to us rather than being distracted by the happiness that is fabricated and created by us. Now, I'm not here to be a Grinch, right? I don't want to pull down all the adornment and ruin your Christmas. I hope that all of you enjoy all of the aspects that make this a fun time of year. I hope that this is the best Christmas that you've ever had. But let's be honest, there are times when life isn't fun. 
Sometimes that happens to land on Christmas. One of the things that sort of carry you through and bring joy don't seem to have the same ability to shake the frustration. And at times like that, a surface-level joy just isn't going to be enough. But the good news is, we have access to a much more robust joy. And it isn't something we have to produce. It's not something we have to go and find. It's something that has already been given to us. And so what we're going to do today is look at the Christmas story to see joy in three forms. Joy described through three different characters. All of this a joy that has been given to us by God at Christmas. And we're going to do this by looking at Luke chapter 2. We've already been reading through it here in the service Um, this morning. We're going to continue to read through the rest of it. Now Luke 2 is a very popular Christmas reading. You've probably heard it plenty of times before, possibly followed by, and that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, Um, certainly if you're at my house. But in verses 8 through 20, we see joy manifested in three different forms. We see the joy of the shepherds, we see the joy of the angels, and we see the joy of Mary. And so as the angels declare, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, we see this joy is wide and varied. And each one of these characters experiences joy for a different reason. And so it's worth looking at what brings them to that place of joy. So we start with the shepherds. Luke 2 verse 8 tells us, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So it tells us that the shepherds were minding their own business. They were out doing what shepherds do, when all of a sudden the sky fills with angels proclaiming to them the birth of the Messiah. Now, shepherds were not well-respected members of society. They were social outcasts who were viewed as a slight step above the animals that they cared for. It wasn't so much that they were hated like some other people were. They just were sort of ignored. But we see, not this night. This night, they were the recipients of the divine message. They were the ones who were invited to come witness the birth of the Messiah. And so for people who are not used to getting invited to anything, to be the guests of honor at the coming of Jesus was a reason for joy. And so we see, as they get this message right away, they leave the fields to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So verse 15. And after spending some time with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, it tells us that they returned to the field, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. That's verse 20. And so what we see is the shepherd's joy is rooted in peace. These are people who had a broken relationship with society. But by being witnesses to the incarnation, their place in this world was now solidified. They're still shepherds, but they're also witnesses. They're still shepherds, but they're also proclaimers of God's glory. They're still shepherds, but they've been invited into God's plan and God's story. And so while they go back to the fields to do their shepherd things... They do it with lives that have been turned entirely upside down. 
And what they have seen and what they now know is far more powerful than the experience of just being shepherds. They now have a joy that is greater than their earthly reality. This brings us to the angels, verse 10. It says, The angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now the angels have a very specific job on Christmas night. Their job is to celebrate. And so they bring the message to the shepherds. But what we see in the heavenly hosts is this great party in the sky. And they didn't have to be told to do this, right? God didn't have to rile them up and be like, right, bring your best trumpets. Put on the good robes. Right? For the angels, this was a moment of fulfillment for all of their anticipation. This is what they had been waiting for for quite a while. See, angels are not all-knowing. They don't, they don't know everything that is going to happen, but they're also not quite as ignorant as we are. They have a general sense of God's plan. And so they knew that God was going to act to redeem. They knew that the Messiah would come. And they knew that through this act, God would both declare his glory and bless his creation. And this is why they proclaim glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God will be glorified and people will be blessed through this action. And so the angels have been waiting for the day when this next step in God's plan would be actualized. And so imagine, imagine you're one of these angels. Again, you're doing what angels do. And and all of a sudden, God comes up and goes, it's happening. Tonight's the night. And you get to be the ones who go and make known to the world how amazing this moment is. So the angels are lamped up. They're excited. This is the day they had been waiting for. And so we see the source of their joy comes from hope. The angels understand the centuries and centuries and centuries that have, have the people have been waiting They know how important this day is in the eternal purposes of God. And so they view this moment in the larger picture of salvation. The angels are excited simply to watch God work. Again, they tell us that the coming of the Messiah is going to bring glory to God. It is going to bring peace and blessing to people. But they are not necessarily direct recipients of this moment. No, their joy comes from being able to see the amazing plan of God unfold in front of them in all of its complex beauty. And their joy reveals to us that goodness is tied together by God's providence. And so we can be joyful like the angels, even when in our lives we are not feeling the benefit. We can know that the larger plan is still there. God is still orchestrating all things towards restoration. And so no matter how it benefits us directly in any specific moment, 
The promise of God is that his plan is working toward the goodwill of all people and peace, and peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so every moment along the way, every moment of our lives can be seen as part of how God intends to make his joy complete. Of course, parts of how he works, parts of his plan are also very personal. And we see this in Mary's joy. Verse 19 tells us, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now Mary was this young, faithful woman who seems quite ordinary by any and all earthly standards. But the moment that the angel appeared to her and told her that she would give birth to Jesus, her life was turned upside down. Her pregnancy would lead to a lot of speculation among the people about her and her betrothed. The promises that she had been given by the angel Gabriel would not be believed by a lot of the people that she told them to. She was going to have to carry this baby and give birth, and not in any simple sanitary way, but in a barn at the end of a long journey. And so we see Mary took on quite a bit of chaos in order to do what was asked of her. But along with this, she received this deep sense of love and blessing from God. And we know how Mary felt about it because we have this beautiful song that she wrote at the end of Luke chapter 1, where she says this, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. See, from Mary's perspective, God's choosing of her creates an amazing sense of belonging. Her joy, then, is a product of love. God's selection of her from all the people of the earth to play this important role in the salvation process. It produces in her a thanksgiving that turns to joy. And as the whole story unfolds, as she's watching this happen, Mary treasures up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Right? Mary, feeling chosen and loved by God, sees all of the things happening around her as one blessing after another. And so she's able to experience this grace upon grace that God pours out. Because every moment of her life is read through the lens of God's love. She knows that God cares for her. She knows that God wants what is best for her. So all of her life is a chance for her to experience God's love. Now the amazing thing about all these different manifestations of joy is all of these are available to us. Right? Like the shepherds, we are offered an assurance of peace from God that overwhelms our earthly situations. Like the angels, we can see God's plan unfolding over centuries. And we can find joy in the fulfillment of his promises over and over. Like Mary, we have been chosen and loved by God, not because we're lovable, but because he is love. And so this deep abiding joy comes to us through peace, through love, and through hope. And what we need to do is learn how to see it. 
And so we can follow Mary's lead, treasuring and pondering the joy that has been gifted to us. I've always appreciated how Pastor James Boyce encourages this in one of his Christmas sermons. Sermon is titled, How to Celebrate Christmas. And he says this, Begin by wondering. Wondering at the fact that you have not suffered the just punishment of your sin, that God has loved you. That Jesus came and died for you. That God called you to faith in himself when you were yet without hope of salvation. And that you are now God's child and are secure in his love. Continue by thinking upon these things. Ponder the great doctrines of the Christian faith. Doctrines of the incarnation, atonement, grace, sanctification, heaven, perseverance, and others. So that you begin to grow strong in doctrine. Glorify and praise God for what you know. Sing his praises. And then when you are qualified to speak, go back and tell others. And so we come here on Christmas morning, we come here to wonder. To come face to face with God's truth. But also to be remade by what this truth means for us. And so as we gather here, just like every week, we partake in communion. And in the act of communion, we are assured that God's promise of peace is sure. That his hope is kept in heaven for us. That his love is directed towards us. That we can be people of joy because Jesus Christ is our Savior. So as you come to the table today, come celebrating with great joy. Because the gift of Jesus was given for you. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. We thank you so much that that you acted not waiting for us to initiate, but you loved us and you moved towards us while we were still blind. We thank you that you didn't stay in the comfort of heaven, but you came to this earth and did the work that was necessary. That you humbled yourself to come into a world of sin as a baby with earthly parents, with pain, with struggles. God, we thank you for the way that you have written your story so that we can see ourselves in your plan. So that we can make sense of this world around us. Not just a world of chaos, but a world that is declaring your glory in all of these different ways. And God, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of Christmas. And we thank you for all that comes with his act of sacrifice on our behalf. God, help us to see the joy and the peace and the love and the hope that has been given to us. Because we need it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.